Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. So today we're going to talk about I want you to want me. Exploring impression management. (laughs) (laughs) You got to love that old cheap trick song, right? So yeah, today we're going to talk about what impression management is. We're going to talk about how we shape impressions as humans and a little bit about how we can change them. And of course, we're going to talk about some implications for people, leaders, and organizations. And before we jump into this, I just want to mention this is a a very large area of research. And so we have a number of studies that we've cited in the show notes as usual, but there's a couple more this time than normal. Uh, So please check those out if you want more information about this topic. If you're maybe a graduate student who's interested in this, dig in there because there's a lot. But we're going to skim the surface. We're going to try to give you some gold nuggets here in the course of this episode. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of impression management is how nerds cover says like, what's it mean to be cool? (laughs) <laughs> am i I'm trying am, or like some version of like hot or not or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but it, it's this process that you know humans by and large we, we engage in on a very regular basis uh you know impression management sometimes it's uh, equated with uh, self-presentation um there's some kind of some differences there but uh you know there's even this idea of the self-presentation to yourself, you know, how you how you present yourself to yourself, how you think about yourself. But, you know, in terms of impression management and the way we're defining it here, it's this process by which people control the impressions or attempt to control the impressions others form of them, you know? So we do this pretty frequently, even if you don't think you do, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's something I'm never going to tell my kids is grow up, high school's not like the rest of life. It's like, dude, high school is the rest of life. Only you don't have the goths and the jocks and the nerds. You've got the, you know, Jan from accounting, you know, Stephen from IT, right? (laughs) You have, (laughs) I mean, they're not as colorful buckets of people, but they're the same thing. And this idea of the process by which we control the impressions that others form of us, right? And we all think about that. You know, we sure. worry about what we're going to wear to a job interview. Um, mm-hmm. What would be an appropriate tone to set? Because it's not just outside dress. It's also the way you talk. I know when I'm in the army, you know, when I'm with my family, especially when I'm with my little girls, I'm all like, ha hi, my kids are awesome. Except <laughs> when they're jerks. But, <laughs> um, you know, I but when I'm with the army, it's, hey, knife hand. You know, like, but it's different when I'm with an infantry unit. It's a little bit some of that, like, hey, can this jack wagon lead us into, you know, a small arms firefight or where I'm with a cyber team and I'm dealing with a bunch of computer jocks that are also in the military. Right. Right. Yeah. There's different ways in which the way the cadence and tone of voice salespeople do this. One of the things that people teach is match the tone and pace of how you talk to the person you're trying to sell something. These are all forms of impression management, and they're as old as nature itself. Right. Of how we navigate. 
Right. And if someone doesn't do any of this, if you could imagine either yourself or someone around you not doing any impression management, that's probably not very good, right? They would probably come across as being uh, extremely um, unself-aware, I'll say, right? So, Which can be a strategy in certain circumstances. There's no way not to think of this. Right, right. But if you're you're using a quote-unquote lack of self uh impression management as a strategy then isn't that also impression management yeah i mean this is like so <laughs> meta it's like is no form a form itself That's you right. know <laughs> of course yeah so the literature breaks this down and we'll post a link of course as i mentioned to this great article that uh is one of the probably the most highly cited or one of the most highly cited articles that reviews and kind of pulls together a lot of the research on impression management pulls together these two different Um, processes that they talk about. The first one is impression motivation, and the second one is impression construction. So impression motivation is all about, you know, the degree to which you are motivated, you know, the the reasons why you might want to control how other people see you. And that has a couple of different factors. Um, One of them is, you know, the goals, right? What What are you trying to do? Why are you trying to create some different impression of yourself? Yeah, you know, sometimes you have so much money and so much not need to work. You, you're really not highly motivated on that. If you if you want to wear yesterday's pajamas to the country club and they'll let you get by with it, you just might do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Is, is that so, why is that why you're wearing the shirt you're wearing right now? Yeah, well, this is my daytime pajamas and then I'll transition <laughs> to my nighttime pajamas, it's right? The, co- the COVID uniform. <laughs> the COVID <laughs> uniform, right? <clears throat> But there is some motivation thing, right? And there, this is three factors that go into impression motivation, right? And the first one's goal relevance of the impression one creates. Like, yep. do you have something you're wanting to accomplish? That may be get that job, convince your boss to support a major initiative, those kinds of things. The second is the value of the desired outcomes. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you, you know, care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some of it is like my best day in a suit. I don't care if it's custom tailored from Brooks Brothers. It's not going to be as good as your best day in a suit, Ben. It's just, <laughs> it's just you look good in a suit. I look like somebody who's put on a suit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and then there's this idea of the discrepancy between current and desired images. Right. Right. And so, I, you know, I'm coming to a place in my life where I'm I'm pretty comfortable. Right. You know, I've I've achieved things um, in my military career, in my business career. I'm very comfortable with my level of comprehension of key business topics and stuff. So there's not a big delta Mm. between. And normally when somebody reaches out to me, it's not because I look good in a suit. It's because I can solve the problems that they have. Right. So there's not a large discrepancy. But what what would be an example of a a place where there might be a big discrepancy between a current and desired image. Yeah. So I'm thinking about one particular example that I had a couple of years ago where I was going to do a talk and I, uh, this is not a huge example of this, but I think it is, it is one. Uh, I was going to do this talk and I, I was going to be in front of a bunch of people whom I, let's just say that I wanted, I wanted this to come off. Well, I wanted people to be like, wow, I got something out of that talk. I wanted I wanted them to walk away also thinking, you know, that person kind of knew what they're talking about and and so forth. I didn't want them to leave that that experience with a, a, a foul taste in their mouth, either about the topic or about me. And right. one thing I thought about pretty carefully was what I was going to wear. 
and the the current you know thing that I was going to wear, you know, I just didn't really like it. You know, I, I it, it didn't fit quite the way I wanted to, and so forth. And so I got some new stuff. <laughs> you know, that's a very basic example, but it's like, hey, you know, I don't want people to be distracted by the fact that you know this this person's you know their attire or whatever isn't uh you know isn't fitting well or whatever so i upgraded and i did that very much deliberately and it was because i wanted to at least have a little bit of control over the impression that i was creating and i think that that's totally fine i was just trying to you know close that gap between my what i thought the current image would be and the desired one yeah here's another example uh this is a exact for a technology startup that i'm coaching right now um he tends to go into the deep dive when he his first couple of investor pitches before he brought me on. He would be like, oh, let me tell you about how this integrates with the Amazon Web Service. And I have this new platform and I've got eyes are glazing over. Yeah, right. He's so, <laughs> so technical. And it's not that some of these investors weren't technical, but the impression that they had. And, you know, when he gave me the brief back about these are how my pitches have gone so far. The impression they definitely had was this is somebody that's so down into the technical beef stew that he's not going to be able to be strategically minded around maybe some of the larger industry or business pressures he might face. And so we worked as part of our cultural, uh, our coaching engagement to like, hey, listen, be able to deep dive there. But you also got to show them, even though you're so passionate about the technology, you got to show them you have competence and mastery of these broader business-based uh, perspectives and objectives. And that this was an idea where he's like, man, you're so right. And so we spent a lot of time, let's, let's pretend you had to do a pitch and not talk about anything technical at all. How would you pitch your idea? And you know, using some of those lens allowed him to address that discrepancy between what he found out, right? When we held up the mirror, he found out his current image and perception by people that he was pitching to was one way, but his desired image was to be seen as an adequate expert at both, right? Yeah, that's fantastic. It's a great example. And I think it's interesting also how you had to, you had to share that, right? You had to share that feedback uh, with this person and, and kind of work through um, how that impression was being portrayed. And and we've done that with each other, Ben. Sure. There have been times when, you know, it's like, hey, did you realize? I'm like, oh, man, don't. And there have been times when I'm like, hey, Ben, did you notice? Yeah. Oh, don't, you know? So we need each other, right, to, for this. Well said. Well said. You know, so that's this impression motivation piece. And the other piece, the other component of impression management is impression construction. And this has to do with those types of impressions that you're trying to construct. And a big part of this is how you want to see yourself, your self-concept. Uh, and, you know, we talk on this podcast a lot about, you know, how, how do you live your best life? How do you construct an identity that you can be proud of? And that's part of this identity or impression construction piece. Uh, we already talked a little bit about this idea about desired and undesired identity images. How do you want to be portrayed? How do you want, uh, what what kinds of um, images do you want to be like versus not want to be like? That's another part of this, I, this impression construction piece. Yeah, so the book, uh, The Chimp Paradox, talks about the person you want to be is the person you are. Mm. Because you even have a desire for that thing. Right. And so it's good. Have a self-concept. We also talk about all the time that sometimes the imposter syndrome is true. You are an imposter. If you can't live up to the integrity in your heart and soul that you know that is right and you're 
You're maybe going to church on Sunday, but being a, you know, industrial barren pirate Monday through Friday, you're on the wrong side of life, buddy. Mm -hmm. So have a positive self concept, have an idea of like, these are the desired pieces of my identity that I am actually going to live up to. And ooh, these are some undesired parts. I need to work on those and come up with a project plan to mitigate, eliminate, right? Go fix yourself. Absolutely. Go fix yourself, guys. <laughs> Another part of this is just what role you're in. And, you know, be it in your job, be it in a particular setting. Uh, you, you mentioned how you might portray yourself a little bit differently when you're around your young daughters compared with how you may be around an infantry unit. Uh, and Although maybe they should blend a little bit more. Hey, maybe clean up those rooms or push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the other way. Maybe you should talk to the infantry unit like you do with your daughters. I don't hi, know. Hi guys, would you like a cuddle before we go to bed tonight I mean, in the field? Let's see. It, it might really, might really bring some outstanding results. I, I'll look forward to hearing about that. Uh, so you know, but thinking about your role and and kind of how that plays into your impression um, also has to do with you know those people who you're trying to influence what their values are, right? What they see potentially as, as prototypically competent or effective. Um, and also, you know, you, you kind of your current social image. So the, all of these are part of this impression construction, this process that we go through to try to come up with a good impression for the world, how we present ourselves. Yeah. And then some of, you know, when you talk about the target values, you know, maybe you just need a job. And you really don't like the mission of this company. But in the end, that does not like it doesn't pay the rent. Mm -hmm. You know, so maybe you have to put on some impression management. It's like, yes, you know, I think Gogurt yogurt is the best thing ever to happen to America, you know, <laughs> because that's the norm or something. Well, if right? we're talking about Greek yogurt, then yes, that, that's true. That, that... <laughs> um, I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a Chobani guy? What? Uh, Faye. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Because yeah. they have big things of it at Costco. It's great. So, <laughs> true. This um... is true. It's <laughs> awesome. All right. So we talked about what impression management is. Uh, let's move now to a, you know another piece of this puzzle, which is how do we shape impressions and can we change them? And what's fascinating here is just how darn quickly we create impressions of other people. Yeah. Like you can't. Matter of fact, this is like all what's the, the unit of measure? Seems... Yeah, what's the unit of measurement that's used? Yeah, about a hundred milliseconds, guys. Yeah, milliseconds. And and if you look across all the literature, I mean, they haven't done any tests to say that it's innate, but the literature seems to suggest that you're going to make those judgments whether you want to or not. Mm -hmm. They're, they're going to happen. That's part of our survival mechanisms. Right. You could use kind of an evolutionary psychology argument here, suggesting that, you know, back when we were um, more hunter gatherers and when there were more environmental threats to our well-being and our safety, that these snap judgments, these very first impressions uh, helped us to survive because it helped us make quick decisions about different pieces of our environment, be they other people, be they animals, predators, other types of, of things that might be out there. Uh, but yes, you know, it, it seems like we make, you know, these impressions after less than one second, you know, much less, um, you know, one tenth of a second or even less. And, you know, what what they've what they've looked at and we'll, again, check out these articles that we posted in the show notes. Um, you know, what they found found, at least in this one study, is that 
after a 100 millisecond exposure uh, to a picture, so they were showing people pictures, uh, you know, th this correlated highly with the judgments that people made in the absence of time constraints, right? And I'm quoting from the abstract here, but suggesting that this exposure time was sufficient for participants to form an impression, uh, end quote. So, you know, in that short period of time, it seems like we start to make somewhat enduring, and that's the tricky thing, somewhat enduring impressions of other people. Yeah, so I, I think about when, you know, I studied music, I wanted to play music professionally, and I got to Nashville, and I was running out of savings, and I needed to get a gig, but I was new to town, didn't know anybody, and I got offered for a gig. And they picked me up and drove me from Nashville over all the way to Clovis, New Mexico. Huh. <laughs> and and these are not the kind of guys I was raised around. You know, I was raised in an Air Force family. Uh, these guys were um, had all kinds of interesting, colorful things to say that would not allow us to keep a OK for kids rating uh, on this <laughs> podcast. And my eyes were just like, well, wait, what? But I was like, but I really need the freaking cash. Yeah, I'm going to have to call my parents and say, you're right. I should have never majored in music. It was a bad <laughs> idea. I'm a dummy. You know, all that kind of stuff, which was the last thing I wanted to do. But after I got to know these guys for a while, and that, that, which actually helped prep me for the military, you know, because I had been so myopically in one way. I didn't have my initial judgments and what I was, you know, the values I was taught growing up was not a sufficient lens to make accurate, comprehensive judgments of these, you know, musicians I was on the road with. Right. Some some who smoked weed, which yeah. I, you know, I was like, what, what's all this? You know, like now <laughs> weed's kind of more accepted nowadays, but then I was like, oh my gosh, is, is that marijuana? Right. Well, and I've heard the story <laughs> from you where, you know, perhaps one of your bandmates was, uh, had been indulging in, uh, in the weed and afterwards <laughs> you were sitting there in the hotel room reading adam smith's the wealth of nature nations while while he's whacked out of his mind playing yeah. video games yeah he's <laughs> he's playing the lord of the rings and he's like run frodo run and i'm like oh my god has my life come to this but they, these guys let me tell you these were some really loving good people but yeah. i didn't have my initial my speed judgments needed a broadening now people go like oh i need a cultural broadening experience i'm gonna i'm gonna go to europe and you know visit the louvre did they say it that way yeah but but yes. another like nobody's like i i need a cultural broadening experience i'm gonna leave deep in the bowels of the south and you know, maybe the, distill some illicit booze and try to run it across state borders <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're both broadening for sure, but but the the whole point is, you got to take stock. How wide and broad have you really gotten to see and know people? Right. So yeah. your your split judgments, my split judgments at that time, coming out of a completely sheltered numbskullery of a good childhood by well intentioned parents, did not prep me for making accurate calls. Um, that exposure, like the military, you know, some of those guys, the first airplane they ever were on was a flight to basic training. Mm -hmm. You know, some of those guys like, all right, good night, sir. They'd put in a dip and then go to bed with a dip in their mouth. And I, wow. I just had never seen that kind of stuff. And you know sure. what? These are the guys that are fighting for our nation's freedoms. 
and they signed up when other people wouldn't. And, and uh, that was a real important, I mean, just totally laying down that, like the growth yeah. curve I went on, on this impression management. And this is why we care. Cause I think that we know, we know that we all do this to everybody else. And so it paralyzes us with fear when we have to go navigate a new situation because we know for for darn sure they're doing it to us. Yeah, and these just happen so quickly oftentimes if we're not careful. You know, we mentioned the one study that looked at a 100 millisecond exposure to someone's face. There's another one, and we posted a link to this one as well, called Very First Impressions, which uh, suggests that um, people make pretty consistent first impressions uh, based upon uh, 39 milliseconds of information, right? And now they make less reliable judgments about people's, for example, intelligence and things like that. But they, they make judgments about personality, about kind of the character of that person, just based upon these very fast impressions. Um, and, uh, you know, it also reminds me, I, you know, I had a someone I came across who was, I was talking with and, and, and he said, you know, people I've gotten feedback. People just say I'm that they, th they think I'm kind of unapproachable until they come and come and talk to me. Uh, you know, and, and I, you know, I agree this, this person was, is very approachable, right? Super friendly. And, and I said, well, you know, um, what we kind of talked a little bit about it. And I, I said, well, let's look at your headshot and the, the headshot for this person. I mean, <laughs> did, did, no. not, did not look approachable. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was borderline mug shot where this person was just not, like, no get expression. over here. I'm going to stab you. Right. And I was like, <laughs> whoa, like, so, so they're probably seeing that. Even if they see it, maybe just for 39 milliseconds, developing a first impression and then having to, you know, deal with this person. And they already have the, they've already been primed to kind of feel like this person's unapproachable. So, uh, you know, it's, that's a, it's, that's a key word primed yeah. because so, cause the next question that would come to any person, any thinking person's mind is going to be like, okay, well, this happens and something's off. Can I turn that frown upside down? Right. Ooh, yeah. How what? do you change a first impression, right? Uh, you know, we all know that that it's important. We all do this. Uh, and, you know, there have been some studies of this. I think that it seems like the literature basically comes to a conclusion that, yeah, you can change first impressions, but uh, it's hard. <laughs> it is hard. Wicked um, hard. In yeah. other words, you have to provide. So here's some of the stuff, if I'm remembering correctly from the literature, which I'm pretty sure I am is that you have to provide tons and tons and tons of contrary proof. Right, right. Tons. And, and, but the one thing that can change an impression very quickly is if it's wildly negative. Mm. You know, Jim Bob is a pedophile. Mm. You know, like all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what good, bad. I mean, there's there certain kind of new pieces of information that will immediately and that, and we can see this in political campaigns with the sure. smear tactics, right? The idea is to sh hijack how our minds work and use it for ill. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but if you're a person who's trying to change, you know, a an impression perhaps that you've created, uh, you are going to have to be very intentional about countering that with contrary information. With, you know, if, if people perhaps see you as unapproachable, you're going to have to go out of your way to be approachable and, and maybe even be explicit about it, saying, look, I know that maybe sometimes I come across as unapproachable, but I, I really am. And, you know, this is something I know about myself. You know, if you're the leader in that situation, you've got you've to live with that, that impression because this is your team, but you still got to lead them. 
then you really need to provide that contrary information. You got to do it deliberately. And you, then you've got to be consistent in that behavior. Because if you start to revert back to that uh, initial impression, then people are going to be like, ah, it was just, you know, just an act. This is, that's how they person, that person really is. Yeah. And there's, there's a cultural piece here too. And it relates to the, what we call in the literature, organizational citizenship behaviors, mm. right? People may be acting positively to manage positive impressions rather than being committed to the mission of the org. Yeah. And we see this in the execs that we coach, right? You know, we they're do. sitting there. It's like, do people like me? Do people really like the company we're building? I really mm -hmm. want to gather feedback so that I can make sure that we are, you know, like, so if you're a caring executive, you're like, well, how can I find out what all these people think so I can build sure. something that they want to be a part of so that we can have success and wealth and everything else together? And that's really hard because this impression management creates a muddy, murky view of what people are really thinking or feeling. And... You know, then the other question is, does everybody have to really be bought into the mission of the organization? If if Bob over in accounting, just like, listen, I don't care about this place, but I do the accounts receivable to standard every week. And in the end, I just want a job and to golf every weekend. Right. Cool, and, Bob. And like, sounds good. Sounds good. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, some people might just be acting positively to kind of create a positive impression of themselves. Um, you know, I, I would guess I would say. Uh, you know, it, does it does it matter too much, right? Are they are they just acting or not? Um, I think that's where you need to you know take people on face value, but always you know continue to watch their behaviors. I think that that's that's an important way to to kind of go forward and to make more accurate judgments about people. I think it's also just so important to uh, you know be careful about the snap judgments. You know, we talk about this hundred milliseconds, thirty nine milliseconds that we do this. Uh, and it ties into another idea, which is called the fundamental attribution error. And this yes. is, the, you know, this is say where, that one more time. Yes, fundamental attribution error. Um, oh. And this, <laughs> this is a tendency that we we all seem to have where we see someone doing something, we see a behavior and we attribute it when it's someone else. We attribute it to uh, something about them that, we, you know. Uh, whereas with ourselves, when we do something, we attribute it to something circumstantial. Perfect example of this. You're driving down the road and someone cuts you off, right? They, they just take their car and they move right in front of your lane. Jack wagon. Exactly. Yeah. You start jack thinking, what wagon. a jack wagon. This person can't drive. What an inconsiderate person. You don't sit there and go, you know, that person probably had a really good reason to try to get off at this exit and come in front of me. <laughs> no, you don't. You know, our, our first reaction oftentimes is to, to commit the fundamental attribution error and attribute that behavior to something about them. Conversely, if we cut someone off, we oftentimes are kind of like, you know, we, we think, oh, you know, I, well, I, I just, I, I got to get over this late. I got to take this exit because I'm whoops. going to the hospital or, or whatever, or whoops, you know, I made a mistake. You know, and uh, we, we attribute it to something external to us. So just, I think it's just about being more thoughtful in our impression um, judgments of others and giving people a little bit of grace. I think that that's a helpful way forward. I think that kind of moves us in to the next uh, section of what we're going to talk about here with regard to impression management. And that is what are some implications for people, leaders and organizations? Well, the first thing is to notice how lame it is. 
<laughs> when we, that we form this impressions, right? Very quickly with no evidence. We just look at somebody and instantly know everything about their life. Right. And actively seek to treat others the way that we would want to have our first impressions handled. Right. Right. I mean, I think if we are all honest with ourselves, we could probably find some examples of times in which we have probably created an impression that was not great. Uh, or maybe if we had some people around us who were honest with us, who told us, you know, if you, you don't know that about so yourself, good. you are not self-aware out of right. a thousand at bats. You're going to have some whiffs. You're just right. going to miss hardcore. And you're going to be like, uh, actually, I, I don't want, I'm not interested in this job anymore. I'm going to apply somewhere else. I whiff so bad or something. Right. right. So yeah, you got to treat people the way you'd want to be treated. That means one understanding your brain psychology. So mm -hmm. if you go in to interview a candidate, let's say you're an interviewer, like maybe a manager or something, or if you're on like a, I don't know, a community choir or something and, and oh, we're going to meet somebody new today. You could say to yourself, my brain's going to tell me a bunch of baloney that I have no ways of validating right out the gate. So when you see those, you're not going to be able to unsee those. Just be like, huh, how might I know if these are true or not? And then rather than forcing that person to go on an impression management crusade of positive information and dressing uh, shenanigans, you could seek those pieces of information, maybe through questions, dialoguing, getting to know that person, you know, hey, so how do you solve problems here? Or when you solve that problem, what were you thinking? That was novel or something like that. Right. And I think if you've ever been part of a team or uh, a group of people who was charged with hiring a new person and you listen to the conversations that happen after you've met with a candidate, uh, you've probably encountered a lot of this. You know, oh, that person just kind of seemed disorganized. Now, was that something that they actually said or something about their record? Or you, a lot of times it's like that person, you know, maybe they had a couple creases in their shirt that were in the wrong spot. Yeah, or, who, who they know. got, they were laid out the door because their kids wouldn't pack their lunches on time and yeah. yada, 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 and they're frazzled. And, oh my right, gosh. you know, so you got to be very careful about that. So to your point, you want to force yourself to slow down. You want to seek out some data to really try to validate whether or not your first impressions are worth anything, because sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't, and you want to be careful. Yeah, I was over on the IO Psychology Reddit the other day, and it's funny because one of the things that IO Psych people, like it's a huge pillar of what they focus on is this idea of assessment, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> Can we assess if some numbskull's going to be a good worker in this org, right? Yep. So but it, they talk about all of that. But when it comes to IO psych people choosing <laughs> people to join their team or their organization or their program, what do they do? The same knuckle the same dragon, baloney. jack wagon baloney of first impression management. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was like, hi, pot, kettle, black, you know? <laughs> right, right. No, it, it, that's an interesting point. And I think there's, there's something to it. Uh, you know, one other thing that we talked about when we were thinking about this topic with regard to some implications is that, you know, if there is a team dynamic uh, maybe some people have gained or started to have some first impressions about someone uh, and it might be going down the wrong path. Try to slow that process down a little bit. Offer some contrary data or some other thoughts 
to help to um, keep people on a more deliberate and more evidence-based way forward. Yeah, so I, I've had this in teams that I've managed. You know, uh, well, I just know if, don't know if Jim or Karen or whoever doesn't fit in or, oh my, you know, the, the pettiness starts coming to you as a leader. Right. And, you know, one of the pieces of, you know, language that I use when that comes is like, you know, I helped hire Tim and I believe Tim is completely committed to the mission of the organization here. Now that forces everybody else to recalibrate. One, I'm not going to listen to any pettiness that's not validated with, you know, it's not that fringy, my impressions are off. You know, it has to be, you know, Tim's been late 10 times and our last three projects have been really disrupted because of that. Mm -hmm. You know, something like that, that's quantitative about something because what'll happen and we know this from the science, in-group, out-group will form. And as a leader, you've got to curate that culture, not only the broader culture, but that team culture. And be watching for, especially when new people are coming on, that's the time you know we talk about you know, people derailing, that some of that derailment can be caused by those impressions. And having some language to force people to say, Listen, we don't go by first impressions here. We only make qualitative data-driven decisions. That is the norm for this team. Maybe you're the one who has a problem. You know, like you you can start shaping that kind of thing. So be watching for that as a manager, as a leader. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of this time back early in my my Navy career, back when I was on active duty and we got a new captain for our ship. And, uh, you know, everyone, when you get a new leader, when you get a new person around, uh, everyone's trying to figure that person out. Right. And, um, I was talking about the new captain with, uh, another person. And I was like, yeah, you know, he seems like a, seems pretty good, blah, blah, blah. And, um, this person who, with whom I was having the conversation was much more experienced than I had been in the Navy probably longer than I'd been alive at that point. And this person said to me, you know, I, I usually give a new uh, a new person about three months before I try to like come up with any judgments about them. I was yeah. like, wow, that is smart. Right. And it turned out that that person, I think, I, you know, my, my, let's just say it, my impressions changed over the course of probably less <laughs> than three months, but it, that, that's really wise, right. To take some time because people are complex. Humans are complex. I'm complex. You're complex. We don't want other people doing that to us. Let's not do it to other people. Yeah. That's that's such a knowing full knowing that your mind's going to feed you baloney first impression data that you have to be eyes open on that, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's the same thing. It's like, you know, with kids at neighborhoods, you know, you, you see someone's like my kid can do no wrong. But other kids can somehow, right. you know, there's <laughs> some of that dynamic of like anybody could be along this. path. there are total jack wagons out there that should get fired or should never be in charge of people. Totally. Just make sure that you know, that you're treating other people the way you'd want to be treated. That's great. So this also then brings us to some potential implications for organizations. And, you know, if you're trying to design an organization where everyone can flourish and thrive, how do, you know, these, these ways in which we think and create first impressions about people, how does that tie in? And, I, you know, one thing that I think organizations can do is try to have some structural ways in which you can try to uh, counteract some of these biases that we have, um, create some better decisions, right? Um, 
you know, part of it is maybe, hey, our culture around here is we don't make for, we don't, we try not to have first impressions about people. We try to give people, you know, the benefit of the doubt and let them have, have their shot. Maybe that's part of it. Uh, another part of it is, you know, how do we make decisions about people, newcomers, uh, in terms of how do we interview people? I think that's a huge one. Yeah. So, you know, I think of the symphony example, which does have some issues with it, but the idea is good as far as, coming up with a structural way. One of the ways to evaluate somebody on their playing rather than how they look or the, you know, the base face they make when they're getting down with a hard Mozart line is, is to have a scrim. They set up an acoustically transparent scrim and they'd say, you know, oboe uh, audition number six Mm -hmm. and somebody, everybody wore flat shoes. So you couldn't tell heels versus guys shoes and would sit down and play and they would have to make a decision on that person solely based on the sound, because in a symphony orchestra, I don't know what else you would look for. You you want awesome players who play amazingly. Right. right? Yeah. And, and, that, and, and, you know, what you're speaking to there is that, you know, impressions about how people look, you know, can really get in the way of how we evaluate other aspects of them. So in most jobs, uh, how you look doesn't have a big bearing on your job performance, or it shouldn't, you know, unless you actually are a model or an actor. Um, you know, there's 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 a lot that you do in the course of your your uh, careers. Work. I will never touch. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot that you do and make decisions about that has nothing to do with that, right? And so your competence really shouldn't be based upon that. And likewise, our hiring decisions shouldn't. Um, and there's loads of data around, you know, even for example, the biasing nature of people's first names, um, because certain names, of course, uh, are can be associated with genders, can be associated with uh, different um, ethnic or racial groups, and those can start to trigger some of these first impressions that we may have, and some of these stereotypes, perhaps, that we have, and that's not related to job performance, and so you know. There is some good sense in, for example, not even having the names of people be present on resumes. Now, that oftentimes never happens, but there, there's some good science behind that. Uh, likewise, not looking at pictures of people um, in terms of making decisions about their The their Army jobs. just got rid of the DA photo as part of a promotion packet. Yeah, so I the the Navy has had it for a long time. They, well, they had it, they got rid of it, they came back, um, and and now we're uh, they're not using it um, currently for for promotions. But what they used to do is you know you'd have aspects of your record that would show on a big screen. Um, so the board is sitting there making decisions about who to promote, and you got one one of the screens has a picture of the person, another screen has um, different things about the person's record, and uh, you know that could have a biasing effect. And so that guy uh, looks like an admiral. Look at him! Right, right. <laughs> so, would you look at that? Yeah. So uh, those are some things that you can do based upon the science to start to get a- away from the danger of these first impressions that we can make. You know, Ben, an item that we've introduced together and that I really like is this idea of a collaborative alliance. Sometimes the cultural norm is everyone we hire is going to be just like us. Mm. And and we disguise that in the rhetoric of culture fit, Ugh, yeah. right? And, and which really means, well, we just want to hang out all day with people we like, which, hey, if that's what you want, I guess that's a cultural decision you're making. But I think you you short yourself, especially if you're in a competitive environment, which who isn't, from people that could, you know, 
Diversity is not just about gender and color. It's also about ideas, backgrounds, perspective. These are things that you can wield for your strategic advantage in your org. But if it's this idea of, you know, these two people are equally qualified, but this one felt more like somebody I could have a beer with, maybe your interview criteria wasn't robust enough to really uncover the differences, right? But maybe you have a cultural norm of similarity that is problematic. So now back to the idea of a collaborative alliance. If you say, we are here as a collaborative alliance of people who agree and can get behind the values and mission of this organization, it's different. When I think about in the U.S. Army, you know, there's a lot of people I don't like in the army, right? <laughs> but one thing I do dig is that they're behind the mission of the U.S. Army and that we can go to Afghanistan or whatever and do what we got to do. Um, and that's fine. So it, it makes me take a different lens on how I evaluate people and rather of like buddy, buddy, cozy, cozy, which I get it. You spend a lot of time with each other at work. But if you have a culture where it's not about that kind of stuff, and it's like, you know what? I need a collaborative alliance with this person for this time. And it can broaden your structures. And you just might find you can be buddy-buddy, cozy-cozy with a broader source of people than you initially thought. That's great. So today on the podcast, we have explored impression management. We've talked about what it is. We've talked about how we shape impressions and how we sometimes can change them. And we wrapped up with some implications for people, leaders, and organizations. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast, or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com, where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.